Everybody having a good weekend? Yeah. It's so great to have uh, uh, Russ and Fran back with us from, uh, from Florida. And uh, it's always great when our family comes home, is it not? <laughs> and so I want to thank uh, Russ and Lewis and uh, Randy and Thomas for all the, the work that the men are doing. If you notice lately, I've been trying to encourage the men of the congregation. We see our elders up here doing these things. And it's nice to see when the other men of the congregation are starting to stand up and realize the necessity to fulfill their role as men, as leaders in the Lord's church. And so... Like I, I constantly say, if you'd like to lead, uh, if you'd like to preside over the table, but you're not quite sure how, you're not quite sure what you want to say or how to say it, I myself, the elders would sit down with you and help teach you uh, and help you to become more comfortable as you do that. Uh, song leaders, uh, leading opening prayer, closing prayer, reading scripture, doing announcements. If there's anything that you would like to help with, it is our role as men in the Lord's Church to fulfill these functions. And we have wonderful uh, leadership in this congregation, our elders, our deacons, uh, who, who are always willing to step up and do whatever it takes. But we need to make sure that the next generation is being trained up and the next generation is ready to, to, to fill their role and to take their place. And so if you are interested, men and baptized boys of this congregation, doesn't matter how young you are, there are things that you can do. And if you're interested in that, please talk with one of the elders, talk with myself, and we would love to get you involved. If you look on the screen behind me here this morning, um, it says faith and baptism. This is an important uh, lesson that we're going to look at this morning because faith and baptism, is it a work or is it obedience or is it both? What's the difference between some works in the Bible versus other works? Well, just to give you a preface, there's some works that are done to try, people try to earn their salvation. They think because I do so many good things that I don't necessarily have to be faithful. I don't necessarily have to obey all aspects of scripture because I believe. And so I do these good works almost as if I can earn my own salvation. Like I don't need the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that's really what the earning or that the meritorious type good works that people talk about are often, that's often what it's speaking of. Someone who's trying to earn their way into heaven. And we know that the grace of God is a free gift. But that free gift comes with conditions. And so if there's conditions, what are those conditions? And so we're going to look at it here this morning. And this is a lesson that's kind of a, a, a brought to us as, a, as a, a something that's in addition to our Wednesday Bible study that we have done last week. And so we're going to look at this here this morning. Have you ever noticed that mankind tends to take the commands of God and kind of puts them at odds with one another? Why does mankind often tend to take God's commands that are pretty clear and then put them at odds against one another? You know why this happens? Because we've muddied the waters for 2,000 years. Because false teachers from the very beginning of the infancy of the Lord's church, Jesus, the apostles, the Holy Spirit guided writers warned that false teachers were going to come in. And the false teachers began right away. It started with the Jewish converts and how they wanted to bring aspects of the old law into Christianity. And then it, and then it extended through other groups and other individuals over time. And we see the great apostasy in the church. But what happens is people get confused because 
Works shouldn't even be a, a topic to be preached on, but it has to be preached on because those in the denominational world have muddied the waters. They've changed definitions. And so now all of a sudden nobody knows if something, are you, is baptism a work, like you're trying to earn your way to salvation? Or is baptism actually obedience as part of the condition that was given by God? You see Mark 16 uh, and 16 says those who believe and are baptized. They're not, one, uh, they're not separate from one another. They're mutually exclusive. And so it's important to know that God combines both faith and baptism, but mankind tries to separate the two as if they were contrary to one another. How does an individual come about faith? Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the Word of God, Romans 10 and 17. And so you can't have faith until you hear and if you hear the word of God, then you've either studied it or you put yourself under the feet of somebody who's teaching it to you. Either way, it's required effort. And so it's a work. That is the definition of a work, something that requires effort. I think of this first passage of scripture in James chapter 2 and verse 17. James tells us, Jesus' stepbrother says, even so faith, if it has no works, it's dead, being by itself but I want you to make sure you understand that James isn't just talking about feeding the poor, clothing the naked, helping the sick. There's other works in the scriptures that God commands. Did you know that faith is a work and baptism is a work and trusting in the promises is a work? These are works that are part of the condition called grace. And so we look at the scriptures here this morning. It's important to understand that faith and works are not contrary to one another, but are mutually exclusive. Because there are works that some would do to try to earn salvation, and then there's other works that we do because God commands them. Be baptized and, or, or be saved and baptized. Those who wish to, uh, those who believe and are baptized are saved. Those who don't believe are not. Because if you don't believe, why would you ever be baptized? If you don't believe, why would you do anything else that the scriptures teach? And so when you do believe, then you realize, oh, there's more to it than just saying Jesus is the Son of God. There's things I actually have to do. Oh, I actually have to confess Jesus before men. I have to repent of sin. I have to be baptized. And I have to live faithfully unto God in order to receive the crown of life, Revelation 2 and 10. So do you see how the only reason why this even becomes convoluted is because we're trying to, in our minds, remove all the false teachings that those of us who grew up in the denominational world, we're trying to remove those false teachings from our mind, and sometimes we get all mixed up and confused because we know that we were taught this, but it says this, but, but then isn't, but isn't grace a free gift? But we have to remember that grace comes with conditions. And so you look at the scriptures here this morning. Some will often say, but aren't we saved by grace and it's the free gift, as I just mentioned? And some will teach that baptism is a work and that it can't be necessary for salvation because we're saved by grace and not by works, the scriptures, see, the scriptures tell us. But there's a difference between works of obedience and meritorious works, works that are trying to earn something. As if I could, think of it this way. How many good works can I do to erase one sin? And the answer is zero. 
There's no amount of good works. I can do 24-7, 365, dedicate my life to helping the poor, feeding the, uh, uh, feeding the hungry, uh, clothing the naked, helping the sick, visiting the imprisoned. But if I never actually make myself in Christ, never commit myself to being in Christ as a disciple of Christ, I never become a new creation, then I'm outside of Christ. So you're either in Christ, the body, the church, or you're outside of Christ, the body, the church. Does that make sense? And that's what the scriptures teach us. So always remember, brethren, faith is a work. Baptism is a work. Belief is a work. Trusting the promises of God, it's a work. Notice what it says in this next passage behind me in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe. That's a work must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Belief is a work, brethren, because in order to believe, you have to hear. In order to hear, you must either study or put forth some forth of effort in order to come about that knowledge. And then you have to make a determination, do I believe the things I studied? Do I believe what I have heard? And then as you do that, it's going to take effort, it's going to take time, and that is called work. Because that is the definition of work. Likewise, baptism without faith is worthless. If I baptize myself, but I don't actually have faith or believe, well, then it's useless. Right? But if I have faith and I believe, but I don't get baptized, well, then that's useless. Because what does the scripture says that puts me into Christ? Baptism. Acts 2, in uh, 38 through about, well, it really goes through the end of the chapter, verse 47 we notice that when, the, when, when Peter preached that first, uh, that first gospel sermon, right? And he was talking to the men of Judea, uh, in Jerusalem. And 3,000 of them were pricked to the heart. They said, well, what must we do? He says, you need to repent and you need to be baptized. Why? Because at baptism, we receive the remission of our sins. And so if I don't get baptized, I'm still in my sins. Because the only way I can remove sin is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I enter into that blood through baptism. And then also I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that seals us for the day of redemption, the scriptures tell us. And then in verse 47 of Acts 2, the Lord, God, adds you to the church. He adds you to the kingdom. Men don't add you to the kingdom. The elders of this church don't. I don't. Nobody does. God himself picks you up and puts you into the church. When you have been faithful, but you are faithful because you believed. Never forget, I tell you guys this ad nauseum, that, uh, that faith is a combination of three things. It's belief, trust, obedience. And you have to have all three of them working in harmony. It's not two out of three or one out of three. It's all three. And they work in harmony together. And if you do that, then this next passage on the screen behind me, Mark 16, 16, makes sense. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Think about uh, Matthew chapter 28. I spoke about this briefly in Bible study this morning. Uh, he says, go, and he tells, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, go into the world, right, and do what? Preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, obey, obedience, all that I have commanded you. Well, what has he commanded us? Well, you've got to study through the scriptures. So once again, belief was a work. Faith is a work. And so you have to understand, brethren, as we look at these things, ask yourself, 
Is baptism a work, meaning something that we do in order to receive something else? Absolutely it is. But we do so not because we're trying to earn our salvation. We do so because we're obedient to what the Word of God says. Jesus says, go and, and teach and preach and baptize all who believe. And so we look at this. Why does it become convoluted? Why are the waters so muddy? Why is this so difficult for, uh, for some of us to understand? Because we grew up in denominations. I had to remove 30 years of error in order to get to where I'm at today. But it didn't take me just a few days. I've been working on it for the last 15 years. And I've been working on it to renew my mind. To transform my mind with the word of God. Romans 12, 2. So that I can prove what the will of God is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And we have to do these things. And we need to understand these things. So we can be found acceptable in the, in the sight of God. Ask yourself. What was brought about? What brought about this tendency on the part of mankind? To say that faith is necessary, but baptism isn't. Oh, that's right. It's, it was a rule, a tradition that was made up in the hearts and minds of men. Right? You don't need to be baptized. Just ask Jesus into your heart, and you too can be saved. If you're at home and you're watching the televangelist and they're teaching, they say, if you're here today and you believe what I've said, and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, then pray this prayer right now with me. And then they think all of a sudden they're in the church. And that baptism isn't a part of salvation. Baptism is just something extra that we do that adds us to the church. No! God adds you to the church by being, by being obedient and faithful. So, again... Why is this hard to understand? Because we have to remove all the man-made teachings. We have to remove all that we've learned in the Methodist church when Lewis was growing up, the Catholic church when I was growing up. Who here, raise your hand if you grew up in a church that was outside the Lord's church. There's a lot of hands going up right now. And so guess what? We have a lot of stuff to correct. We have a lot of error to remove in order to come to the knowledge of the truth. And it takes time. It takes study. And you know what it takes? Christian mentors. I got to the point to where I'm at, to the point to where I wanted to give my life to Christ and eventually preach someday, because I had men who constantly sat down with me weekly and studied with me all the time. I told you guys about John Crapel early on when I first got here. When I came to the Lord's Church, him and Judy, his wife, they came to my house every single Saturday with me, Christy, and my in-laws, and we studied the scriptures for two, three hours every Saturday. He could have, I'm pretty sure he had probably some better things he could have done with his time instead of sit down and answer all our questions. I had guys like Larry Anderson and Jerry McKinney who were, instru uh, who were instrumental in my faith. And I think about some of the other elders and other preachers that I've met along the way. And they've been instrumental in my faith. But then it all comes down to putting in the effort. How many times have I told you guys that, listen, this is a group effort. Any one preacher is not going to grow a congregation. It's a group effort. Everybody has to be doing their part in order for a congregation to, to not only grow, but to flourish and to thrive. We all have to be doing the work of the Lord. Amen. We look at the scriptures this morning. Let's consider now justification by grace through faith. There's no question about it that man is saved or justified, justified by God's grace. We know that because it says it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. But once again, what is faith? 
Faith is belief, trust, obedience. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God, not from what some pope says or what some cardinals or bishops or councils of men say every, as they meet every two or three years. No, faith comes from hearing from the word of God. And it goes on to say, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We don't boast in baptism because God, I'm just doing what God asked me to do. I don't boast in my faith. I don't boast in uh, any of the works I do. I don't boast in repentance. I don't boast in baptism. I don't boast in anything because I'm only simply doing what God has already commanded me to do. I'm not doing these things because I think I earned something. I'm doing these things because God says this is the condition. You could have eternal life if, conditional word, you are faithful. You are obedient. Does that make sense? Justification is by grace and not by works. And yet, baptism is a work. Therefore, baptism is not necessary for justification, right? And the answer is wrong. I'm going to read that again. Justification is a grace and not by works. And yet, baptism is a work. Therefore, baptism is not necessary for justification. And the answer is that is wrong. Notice what it says in these next passages. John 6 and 29, we learn that faith is a work. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who sent him, who, who, uh, who was sent. So this is the work of God that you believe. So once again, belief is a work. Because you have to put effort in, in order to study out the word of God, to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the definition of work. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8, we learn that repentance is a work. Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. If you've ever studied out the scriptures, you understand that fruit and work are synonymous with one another. Produce good works, produce fruits in your faith. They're synonymous with one another in scripture, in context. So once again, faith is a work, repentance is a work. And then you look at the next one, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to do what? To deny ungodliness, to deny worldly desires, to live sensibly, to live righteously and godly in this present age. What's the point that the Apostle Paul was making as he wrote to young, Tim as he wrote to young Titus? That living the Christian life is going to be filled with good works. Not because I'm trying to earn anything. Not because I'm trying to erase my own sins and not need salvation in Christ Jesus. I'm doing this because God says this is what I have to do. He says you have to live faithfully, righteously, and godly in this present age. He says that you have to deny ungodliness. You have to deny worldliness. You have to deny false teachings. Do you see the difference between somebody who does things who try to earn something versus somebody who work, does works that God commands because we're simply being faithful? We're being obedient. So I think about this. Not so... We don't try to earn salvation, brethren. We know there's not a million works I could do to erase one sin. Amen. And if we understand that these works are not for earning something, but for being faithful and obedient, it changes your mindset overnight. Amen. And so, brethren, it is obvious that no amount of faith, no amount of works, no amount of repentance and good works or living the Christian life can earn or merit salvation. But they are all necessary to be saved. You do these things because God requires it of you. 
You do these things because God expects it of you. Remember, I said in Bible study this morning, Luke 6 and 46, Jesus said, why don't you, uh, he says, why is it that you don't do what I command? He, or, no, 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 I'm sorry. He says, why, don't you, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet don't do what I ask you to do? The word Lord means master. I'm in a master-servant relationship. He sets the rules, I either follow them or I don't. And what happens to servants who didn't abide by their master's rules? They were punished. What happens to servants in the kingdom who don't abide by the rules of God? We will be punished in the day of judgment. And so you look at the scriptures here this morning. For man to earn justification, he would have had to have lived a perfect life. And we know that Romans 3 and 9 says, Paul has already said that both Jews and Greeks, Gentiles, are all under sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3 and 23. So we know that all mankind is in need of the blood of Jesus Christ. One sin makes us a sinner. One sin separates us from the, uh, from the relationship, the bond that we had with, uh, with God. And I think about Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10 and 11. For as many as are of the works of the law, they're under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Did you, did you notice that? Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by law before God is evident, for the righteous shall live by faith. Once again, though, what is faith? Belief, trust, obedience. I hope you guys can just say this at nauseum, because that's what biblical faith is. I don't have faith if I'm not obedient, because then my faith is useless. It's no different than in James 1 and 26. He says those Christians, he's talking to Christians, who cannot control their tongues, their faith is worthless. Well, there's a condition there. You have to change the way you speak. You have to change the words that you use. See, there's lots of conditions. And that's the reason why there's warning after warning after warning about, about condemnation. That's why there's all these conditional clauses. Because you can receive the gift if you fulfill the conditional clauses. Brethren, we look at this information here this morning, and since we break God's law, God's grace is necessary in order for us to be saved and be made right by God, but it's according to his rules, his conditions, that are in place in order to receive said grace. So God's grace is conditional upon your obedience. We are saved by grace, but only when we do our part. Do you see that, that gift that you receive requires something of you? How many of us have really ever thought about that? That, yes, it's a free gift, but it requires something of me. And sometimes gifts are given with conditions. There's the thing called uh, a testament, a will. Wills are often given, and kids may receive something from their parents, or somebody from the, uh, inherit something that comes with conditions. You can get this if you fulfill these conditions. And you either do or you don't. And it's the same thing with God. And so you look at all these scriptures this morning. Baptism is one of those requirements that God has commanded in order for his grace to save us. So is faith. So is repentance. So is confession. So is living uh, and doing good works like we've seen in the scriptures here this morning. Now I want us to consider justification by faith. 
Because how are we made right by our faith? Man accepts God's grace through faith. I don't have to say it again, do I? Because we become justified through faith. We already seen that in Ephesians 2 and 8 and 9. That's behind me. We looked at that verse earlier. But you look at John 3 and 16, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish. But what were the first 15 verses of, of John chapter 3 talking about? He was having a conversation with Nicodemus about baptism, about being born again, about newness of life. And so belief goes hand in hand with baptism. Why? Because it was a condition that God had laid forward in the beginning of John chapter 3. Romans 4 and 5 says, But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. What's the, what's the point here? That this justification is not by a dead faith or a faith only. Not by a dead faith or faith only. Isn't it interesting that the words faith only are not in regards to salvation? But listen what James says in James 2 and 24. You see that man is justified uh, by works and not by faith only. And yet the denominational world takes that on its head and flips it upside down. And they have the faith only uh, crowd. You just have to believe and you are saved. And so the only reason why people struggle to understand these things is because the waters have been muddied. Their thoughts have been muddied by error. And so we need to make sure that we study to show ourselves approved. That's what it tells us in Scripture. So it tells what that's what Paul wrote to Timothy. The contrast here is not between faith and baptism. The contrast here is between obedient faith and disobedient faith. That's the contrast. The issue is what kind of faith do you have? Are, is your faith a blend of man's teachings and scriptural teachings, or is your faith scriptural? Period. Full stop. That's the question you have to ask yourself. If we are saved by faith only, or if we are saved by dead faith, then repentance, confession, baptism, living a godly life, having our lives filled with good works, then, then those things aren't necessary. If it's a faith only thing. If all I have to do is believe, then none of that's necessary. But if we are saved by an obedient faith, then every one of, them be, every one of those become necessary. Do you see the difference? Before I close this down, I'm going to just stress a few things. We need to stress on faith, faith in the scriptures and how it helps mankind. I want you to notice several things. First and foremost, man cannot save himself without God's grace. Amen? Salvation by merit-based works is a contradiction to what the scriptures teach. There is no such things. The works that we do, we do in submission to the will of God as obedient servants, as obedient children. Man must turn to God and God's ways only to be saved. This requires the kind of faith that will do God's will. Well, how do we know God's will? Well, it's right there in Holy Writ. God gives us the complete revelation. That's why he said there's no more prophets coming. There's no more revelation coming. We now have the complete word of God that's able to save our souls. I know that our faith is telling us our faith is telling us that we cannot earn salvation. We cannot earn justification. Baptism by itself is worthless to save anyone, but baptism as an act of, of, uh, as an act of faith in God's promises can save everybody. You understand that? Baptism in and of itself is worthless, but if it's done in an act of submission and as an act of faith to God's promises, 
then we know then it, it, it can lead towards salvation if you remain faithful until the end. God doesn't save all men, brethren, only those who believe, only those who are faithful. How do we know? Because that's what Hebrews chapter 11 is all about. What if, what if uh, Noah said, Lord, I believe you can save me. I really don't feel like building that boat. That's going to take a long time. So I'm not building the boat. But I got faith, I got faith in you, brother. You think you'd have been saved? No. What if God says, hey, you too can be saved, but you need to live faithfully according to my will, not your will. But you say, God, I have, I have belief that you can save me. I'm not going to live according to your will. It's, it's too many stipulations. There's things I want to do, and there's some things I like to do, and I'm not changing it. Should I expect salvation? You see, there's a lot of people who believe, but are not faithful. There's a lot of people who believe, but haven't even read the scriptures. And then they're shocked when somebody shows them what the scripture says. And then they struggle to understand it or to make application out of it because then it goes against everything I was taught in my youth, in whatever denomination I grew up in. Do you see why it's not the word of God that's the problem? It's the teachings of man that have, 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 have muddied the, our minds up so much have confused us so much that we can't make proper application now. And we continue to question these things because we're trying to work through the, the maze of all the man-made teachings. So what, God, what God's commands to us in reality become is a test of our faith. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter on faith, it becomes a test to see how faithful man will be. Brethren, man can never be saved, as I said multiple times, by his own righteousness and his own goodness. Even if we live the best life possible and we sin one time, we need the grace of God, we need the blood of Jesus Christ, we need baptism, repentance, confession of faith, and living faithfully. You see, they're all works, but they're all necessary for salvation. Remember, baptism in and of itself is worthless. But when our faith in God leads us to obedience, then he commands us, to have repentance. He commands repentance, confession of faith, and baptism, as well as living faithfully. Brother, I'm going to close this down. I don't want to beat a dead horse. But at the end of the day, if your faith in God commands, if your, is your faith in God's commands, is it according to Scripture, or is the faith that you claim to have according to man's teachings? Is your faith according to the scripture, or is your faith according to a blend of man's teachings in scripture? You see, because if it's according to God, it becomes crystal clear. If it's, a, if it's a blend, if it's a hybrid of the two, it becomes so very difficult to make heads or tails, because you're just left in confusion. And so if you're here today, and you're hearing this message, and you have questions, get with me afterwards. I'd love to answer questions. You can talk to myself, you can talk to our elders. If you're here today and you're not a child of God, you can change that today. You don't have to live in sin any longer. You don't, have to, you don't have to be outside of the body of Christ. You can be a part of the family of God. It's not just being added to a, a church. It's becoming a part of a family. The greatest family that you can be a part of. A family that's going to love one another and sacrifice for one another. If you're struggling in your faith here this morning, you can come forward and ask for, uh, ask for prayers. And we'll pray for you. And we'll help you in any way that we can. 
But if you wish to become a child of God, you wish to be baptized for the remission of your sins, you can come down here this morning, sit on this first pew, confess your desire to be baptized. You'll be baptized, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, your sins will be washed away, and God himself will add you at that very moment to the Lord's church. Come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.